It's a big week for Europe this week. The ECB is meeting and the EU is meeting without a Brexit deal tabled so far. Is it theatre or is there a real chance Britain is going to crash out of the transition period at the end of the month and switch to WTO rules? US jobs were softer than expected on Friday, but maybe it's positive if it reaffirms commitment for fiscal stimulus measures. Probably why US equities hit new highs again on Friday. And China's trade figures today, which will be good for China, of course, is Monday, the 7th of December 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities charged again ahead on fr- on Friday, a 0.9% rise in the S&P 500, almost as much for the Dow and 0.7% for the Nasdaq. New highs again uh, in a week that saw the Nasdaq gain 2.1%. By contrast, the ASX 200 gained half a percent over the week in a week which saw most major currencies rising against the falling U.S. dollar. The DXY was down 1.2% over the week. The Canadian dollar, the biggest beneficiary, was up 1.6% with a 0.6% rise on Friday on its own. And the euro was up 1.3% over the week. The pound gained almost 1%, but the Aussie was up just half a percent, half the fall in the US dollar. And on Friday, the US dollar was fairly flat. But aside from that big rise in the Canadian dollar, most major currencies were down on the day, including a 0.4% drop in the Kiwi dollar, a big leap in iron ore prices on Friday, up 4.3%, 10.9% over the week. And coal rose even further, and US 10-year Treasury yields rose almost 13 basis points last week, uh, almost half of that on Friday. Aussie 10 years were up nine basis points over the week as well. So uh, more irrational exuberance, perhaps, particularly when we look at the share market. Ray Atrill is here, head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney. Uh, looking at those share prices, it's certainly exuberance. Is it irrational exuberance, Ray? We, w- we wouldn't dare say that, would we? Who knows? Good morning, Phil. But, um, you know, <coughs> excuse me, it seems to be... Onwards and upwards, doesn't it? And uh, clearly, mm. you know, markets travelling, you know, obviously with a you know, with a keen eye on rollout of, of the vaccine, even though we had, a, um, you know, some suggestions that there could be some uh, some supply issues, certainly as far as the early rollout or, or rollout between now and the end of the year, although uh, reports at the weekend um, suggested they were probably a little bit overplayed. But it is, um, you know, the optimism that we are going to get a fiscal stimulus plan, I think, was a, was a key driver. And dare we say optimism yeah. that we are going to get a, an EU-UK uh, outline trade agreement, um, you know, wow. sometime, if not <laughs> the weekend just gone. And uh, I think the weekend yeah. coming will be too late. But uh, anyway, so so that optimism is, is clearly there. And are clearly, you know, markets able to sort of look through um, what were actually some pretty um, weak U.S. employment numbers on Friday. Well, did, yeah, did, so did those weak employment numbers actually help the idea that, you know, maybe we are going to get a, a fiscal stimulus? Because non, non-farm payrolls, um, nobody's really sure what it was going to bring, were they? But it did disappoint. Uh, the only good news was that the unemployment rate actually dropped, but that was really because uh, the participation rate dropped, which is never a good sign. No, exactly. So I think it's exactly that. Market searching for silver linings and quickly concluded that, um, you know, signs that the the strengthening um, in the labour market that we saw, um, you know, in the last few months is clearly sort of coming to, if not an end, certainly the rate of improvement is slowing dramatically. So um, on any other month, we'd say, wow, 245,000 jobs created, 344,000 in the private sector, because there were almost 100,000 census workers who, uh, who dropped off, uh, dropped out of employment last month. But let's just remember, we're still, it would be 9.8 or 9.9 million people um, still unemployed, you know, relative to where we were at the start of the pandemic. So effectively, we lost about 22 million jobs 
Um, since February, we've recovered about 12.3 million of them. And, you know, that unemployment rate, um, as you say, has come down um, to, what, 6.7% from a peak of 147 which clearly is impressive. But uh, remember, we mm. were trading, we were below 4%, weren't we, at the peak of the pandemic? Yeah. So, um, so having to put them in context, and the suggestion is that uh, we're probably going to have, you know, that could be the last positive number that we get when we get the, um, you know, the last uh, month of the year and early next year, we could well be back in... Um, and perhaps in negative territory. And I think it's that that's really sort of crystallising the view that um, we're going to have to get a compromise on this uh, fiscal stimulus plan. Um, there are some you know, suggestions that uh, Mitch McConnell, the uh, Senate Majority Leader, is, um, you know, is happy enough with this $908 billion um, stimulus package. Certainly, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi and then the key uh, Democrats uh, have expressed optimism. And it seems that, Mc that McConnell was still holding out for something much smaller, nearer 500 billion. So, so let's see what um, what today brings on that. But um, I think that was the logic yeah. of the market turnaround was, well, we're going to have to get a fiscal stimulus plan. And um, as I say, that certainly buoyed equity markets and especially the bond market where we've seen as you're saying, those 10-year bond yields nine knocking yeah. on the door of 1%. So that's as high as they've been since March. And obviously that's anticipation of, um, you know, the, the supply onslaught that um, that clearly comes. Even, you know, 908 billion doesn't sound a lot, but it is nearly 5% of GDP. And uh, yeah. depending yeah. on whether the Fed's going to buy it all or not, that's uh, the reason for higher bond yields. So uh, the employment numbers in Canada as well came out on Friday, 62,000 new jobs in November versus 84,000 in October. So the growth is slowing there as well. The good news is most of the new jobs were full-time. In fact, there was 99,000 more full-time jobs and 37,000 less part-time jobs. That was a little slower than expected, but uh, I mean, is that, but it's still, you know, pretty good. Does that explain the strength that we saw in the Canadian dollar on Friday or was that driven by uh, commodity prices a bit? Both, I think is the answer, but uh, certainly there was a, you know, yeah. a, an immediate reaction, a positive reaction on the Canadian dollar uh, from, as you say, 62,000 to the unemployment rate there, what, down to eight and a half. It was expected to be um, little change at 8.9. So, uh, so, you know, undeniably, um, you know, good news there. So the uh, improvement in the Canadian labour market proceeds apace at least. Um, then obviously the other big sort of tailwind for the Canadian dollar um, last week was, you know, with oil prices, you know, ongoing strength with, with the OPEC plus coming to some kind of a deal that would sort of phase in, um, you know, production increases at roughly sort of half a million a month. Um, maybe getting back you know next um you know february march to uh, to maybe to, to to restoring that full 2 million production cut that we that was agreed in the early stages of the pandemic so um so yes good news for the canadian dollar we're used to seeing the canadian dollar underperform when the us dollar is is falling but that's not the case i think because of the economic news and the oil price news both of which have been positive for cad interesting thing is you cross the border from the united states into canada and the uh, the the fatality rate for covid-19 more than half um, even though they're sharing a, a, a continent and they are just about to introduce a stimulus payment there $400 no questions asked uh, in terms of a tax deduction if you work from home so Joe Biden wants to uh, basically he's pushing he wants that $1,200 sounds like he's going to be happy even if they do nothing else if they pay that $1,200 to everybody 
at least that's better than nothing. But that's not in the uh, the 908 billion plan, as far as as far as I know. So yeah. we will have an extension of the uh, special um, unemployment benefits at least through the end of January. I think they were they are obviously scheduled to run off on December 31st. Um, obviously, so uh, you know, is you know, there is quite a lot of uh, bipartisan support even for that $1,200, but it doesn't look as though it's going to pass muster in the uh, in the Senate at least. Anyway, um, Biden's <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Biden's attitude seems to be look. Let's get this one over the ground. That does show there will be some partisanship. And listening to him speaking over the weekend, you know, he's clearly in, you know, clearly thinks that, you know, come the new administration and come the new Senate, there will still be the ability to, to achieve compromise. And, and obviously he hopes that, um, you know, we will see further fiscal stimulus agreed next year. But um, I don't think I'd be wanting to to, uh, to bet the house on that just at the moment. But um, this yeah. will be a start. Well, don't least. bet your house on uh, a Brexit, an EU-UK uh, Brexit deal either. That's looking uh, a little bit more uncertain now after uh, what happened over the uh, the weekend, which I'm sure you know most people are very familiar with now. The negotiators stopped because they were too far apart on Friday. Eshla von der Leyen and uh, Boris Johnson uh, talked on the phone for an hour over the weekend, and all they could do was say, well, you know, this is pretty important negotiations to start again, which they did on Sunday. So it's, I wonder how much of this is theatre uh, or whether they really are struggling to to find a deal. I mean, a, a week ago ago, we might have said it was theatre. Now I think, you know, what is it, 50-50, do you think? Um, I'm going to go 60-40, at, um, and Gavin will which be back way? in the week. If you want to hire one, you can get that from... Uh, <laughs> Get that from him. <laughs> He'll be 90, but, 95 uh, in favour of it. And he the, may, the, it, well it, might be it might be 100 because the deal might well have been done. We've got that EU done. summit that commences on Thursday. So we keep talking yeah. about these red lines that keep getting, or lines in the sand that have been rubbed out since about July, haven't they, really? But you really yeah. do think that um, that summit on Thursday and Friday is really the last chance for um, you know, EU heads of states to, uh, to, to give the tick to a, to a deal and in time for it to be ratified by all 27 um, EU member states. So if they haven't got anything by Thursday, um, I think the odds of a deal will, will suddenly, will, will you know, really will collapse. But um, as I say, there's a lot of theatre there as well. It, um, you know, the reports at the weekend are that maybe you know a compromise is is close, particularly on fishing. Um, and really, it is. I think it's sort of there's a bit of a split, I think, going on in Europe between the countries that that do most that do most trade with the UK. So we're talking France, Belgium, Netherlands, for example. Um, you know, if we get fishing sorted out, there's still a concern there about the so-called level playing field. And uh, you know, will UK firms be able to unfairly compete, particularly with uh, with those countries where there is so much sort of cross-channel trade, if you like? So, um, yeah. So still things so to be done. But I think I think there's a bit of there's a bit of theatre, but I do think there's there's clearly still some fundamental differences to do with oh, um, you know, the issue of yeah. UK sovereignty. Any, anyone's guess, isn't it, at this stage? And what about the, the EU recovery fund as well? That presumably is going to be discussed at the ECB meeting. Uh, sorry, not the ECB meeting, the EU meeting later on this week. We, we should come on to the ECB meeting, of course, because that's on that's happening this week as well on Thursday. Yep, so it's, it's a big end of week. I think Europe is going, obviously, mm. you know, the fate of the US fiscal plan is important and, and also what happens with vaccines, whether or not we see um, you know, yeah. F, US FDA approval there. But I think really Europe holds centre stage with that summit. Um, on the recovery fund, as you know, are the, are the Poles and the Hungarians who have been uh, objecting to the uh, the rule of law provisions within the recovery fund? Um, you know, are they going to roll over, or you know, is it turn out that um, that Germany, which is currently in the presidency of the EU, says, you know what, we're going to go ahead without you? Uh, which will create all sorts of complications for the EU budget. Um, so when, mm. whether or not we get a compromise there is, I think, is going to be very important for sentiment towards the the euro in particular. Um, ECB, no doubt that they will um, up their um, their uh, their PEP, which is their QE bond buying. Um, 
equivalent by at least another 500 billion euros and to extend that program at least through the end of the year. So uh, mm. anything other than that, I think, would, would be a major surprise. Well, yeah, you've got the euro at the, at the start of the, the year. It was uh, worth a dollar twelve US dollars. It's now worth a dollar twenty one. I mean, is the ECB looking at that? Is Germany concerned about that? I mean, that's uh, jacking up their export prices, obviously. Well, it's not going to be welcome, but it's it really is it's a dollar thing. If you look at something like the Aussie Euro exchange rate, for example, that has been incredibly stable between sixty and sixty two um, euro cents. Uh, really since you know, throughout the whole sort of pandemic period. So it just tells you that effectively the US dollar is, is the best part of uh, getting on for 10% lower than it was earlier in the year. So it is a dollar thing. It's not going to be welcome, um, particularly in the fight against disinflation or the, the efforts to get inflation higher. But that's going to be a key theme if the US dollar continues to weaken, which um, you know listeners will know is, is still very much NAB's view. Um, you know, By default, you're going to see more upward pressure on, on currencies generally. That includes euro, it includes uh, the Australian dollar, it includes the New Zealand dollar and, and, and the British pound, assuming we get a deal over the line. Um, yeah, and that yeah. is going to be a real headwind for their inflation fight. So how European policymakers respond to sort of undesired appreciation uh, in their currencies is going to be a, a key issue, I think, for 2021. Now you mentioned deflation. Can we get China's trade figures today, just finally? Um, so, uh, first of all, I just, you know, to mention this before, I just wonder how much they're growing market share through all of this, because we know those trade figures are going to be very good today. So how much of the global trade is China taking at the expense of everybody else? But also, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? What, what is happening with inflation in China? It's, uh, well, inflation is going down, and we'll see that tomorrow. Yeah. I think we'll see those headline CPI numbers are expected to come down from just plus 0.5 in October to zero in November. A lot of that has to do with uh, not the price of fish, the price of pigs. So uh, pork price mm. um, are, are coming down from earlier peaks, and that is a key uh, component of uh, the food sector, and uh, and therefore that will drive headline. But you look at producer prices, they're still close to minus 2%, and that tells you they're blowing disinflation or deflationary winds, not just in China, but around the world. But um, but just on, you know, is China winning market share? We had those German orders on Friday, um, foreign orders. Yeah, they were Back yeah, yeah. to their uh, pre-pandemic levels, pretty much anyway. So the answer is mm. that uh, yes, you know, export and import growth ex both expected to be stronger, which is good news both for you know China and the rest of the world. But um, you know, those big manufacturing economies that uh, that export to China are, are clearly benefiting from that. So um, this is a, yeah. a, a, a good news story for sure. It is maybe not a V-shaped recovery, more the uh, Nike swish recovery. Uh, but uh, that's that, that'll do for for now, won't it? Good to talk. Uh, we'll catch you again later on, uh, Ray. Thanks for now. Will do. Thanks for I think I, I think I said on Friday that uh, we would have a UK-EU trade deal sorted out by today and a US fiscal stimulus deal. That's what happens when I try and be too optimistic. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.